0: You're listening to Rebel Radio. Do dope shit. How was the drive down?
1: It wasn't too bad, to be fair. I, I broke it up and stopped in Toronto last night. And so it was only it was three hours from, nice. from there. So it wasn't too bad. My back held up, which, nice. is, which is a rarity. Usually, like, after half an hour, my back's like, nope, you need to move. So for it to hold up for three hours was... Was nice. was a nice surprise. Now,
0: did you stop from Toronto-Windsor at all at the gas stations? or? Yeah, once. Yeah, Once. So you, it wasn't too bad. Did your hip airplanes, your single leg? <laughs> <helped>. <laughs> in, at,
1: legitimately. Doing hip airplanes outside of the car, people must have thought I was insane. But in the it rain, helps. in the snow. Yeah. In the snow, yeah. It actually helps, though. You get like a solid 30 minutes relief. And, yeah. then, and then you put the seat warmer on, and then you're all good. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Um, I do want to make a special note that, you know, since so so me and me and Sam really got to know each other during this year's Euros. Uh, I don't know what that is. For for those of you that watch football (laughs) or or, or in North America, the soccer, um, we we kind of went back and forth with obviously he's an England fan. I'm a I'm a huge uh, Italy fan for those of you that know. So I had to wear my jersey because we did win the Euros this summer. Get out of here. Who did we play? We played uh, England, that's right. But <laughs> they forgot to show up. But, um, oh, come but, on, But that's man. okay. Come on, it still hurts. It still hurts. It's, 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 gonna it's hurt. raw. <laughs> it's going to hurt for a long time, I promise. Yeah. Um, Until yeah, so we, we beat you. Yeah, that's no, all right. But um, what are your predictions for next year for, for Qatar?
1: Oh, England win. Like It's coming home. Like legit? You There's think no England? question. It's coming home. No. I, I have don't. to believe that as an England fan. Yeah, I Yeah, for to. sure. For sure. It's more like the whole it's coming home thing. We're we're making fun of ourselves. We know it's not actually coming home. Yeah. It's more of like a bit of a joke. Yeah. But actually this time it might.
0: Well, it's funny, right? Because like our joke was it's coming Rome. Mm. But it wasn't really a joke for us because we kind of knew it. Oh, We, come we, on. we knew it. Um, but yeah, and you're also a Spurs fan.
1: I am. So I'm used to disappointment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But now you have a new coach. You got you got Conte coming, and
1: yeah, we got some Italian, we got some Italian Dude, flair in there. We're, so we're everywhere we'll see. now.
0: We're, we're everywhere now. Yeah, boy, we'll uh, no, but thanks for making the drive down. I appreciate yeah, you coming absolutely. down, and uh, and I mean, this is your what, one of your last weekends in in Canada because you're you're moving back home.
1: Yeah, so I moved back on December first. So two two weeks, two and a half weeks, nice. pretty much, and, and, you, and then and I'm back.
0: And you're from London, so London proper, or you're the
1: outskirts? Uh, North London, so so near Tottenham um is is where i grew up but i'll be moving back to a place called brighton which is on on the south coast um, of england about like an hour away from london drive nice this is so
0: cool because like when i hear like tottenham and and london and it it reminds me like the english premier league it reminds me of like european soccer like it's such a cool thing for me to hear because i never come across anybody in windsor about you know talking about soccer number one or anybody that's like from europe other than my family because yeah. we're Italian, right? Um, but so it's, it's, it's really cool to kind of hear, hear your story about that. Now, you're moving back home. Um, tell me why you were even in Canada. Like, Tell me your whole backstory as to what happened. Yeah,
1: so I moved to Canada when I was 16. My 16, uh, my dad got a, a job, and so the whole family moved out to Vancouver, BC. Um, did my last two years of high school there, uh, and then I went out to university in Victoria, BC, on Vancouver Island. Nice. Um, at that point, like the rest of my family moved home, so I've been here pretty much on my own since then. So, gosh, like nearly like eight years on my own. Nice. Um, and I just, I just never left. Nice. And then moved to Ottawa a couple of years ago.
0: Now you went, you went your last couple of years of high school in BC. Mm-hmm. Now did you do your university also in BC or?
1: I went to university <laughs> I went I, I probably shouldn't have been there um it was one of those situations where it was like like the the high school that I went to one of their selling points was was like 98 percent of their graduates go to university sure. and so it was kind of like that expected thing that you should do I didn't at that point I I wasn't into fitness yet I hadn't found my passion and so I just kind of, I went and did like sociology or something and just i you know i wouldn't say i wasted the time there because you know it got me to the point where i'm at today and and while i was there that's when i found fitness um but i i probably shouldn't have been in school it probably wasn't the best thing for me um and then when i found fitness it was like okay this is something that i can really get passionate about and it was the only thing that kind of kept my attention for any any period of time and there was a, there was a path in fitness which allowed me to, to to choose what I wanted to learn and I could educate myself through you know various different mechanisms whether it's courses on the weekend, podcasts, um, you know prescript has, has been a big part of that and how I connected to people like you. So for me it was much better than the going the university route and having to jump through a bunch of hoops that just I just didn't want to jump through.
0: Yeah, for sure. But I, I, I kind of feel the same way with, like, with my university uh, career, even though it was very, it, it was human kinetics, it was health, fitness related. And and while like it was a foundation for me to learn just how to learn, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's cool about universities. Like, my first couple of years were a complete write-off because I didn't study, I didn't do anything. I just <laughs> yeah. sort of partied and, and, and went out with my buddies. But it wasn't until like later on in university where I kind of it kind of taught me how to learn better and how to research and how to critically think and I think that's what university is is usually meant for.
1: Yeah, you know I mean? and I I, I kind of wish like I had the same mindset that I do now. Then, um, you know, I matured a lot in that time, yeah. and, and like I would definitely be able to apply myself a lot better now. Um, but
0: isn't know. it funny how like. You know, looking back i was what 19 when i started university and like back then i, I didn't know what i wanted i didn't know right. like like i wasn't mature enough and i always said like if i go back to school now i would ace all my classes i would know what i wanted to learn i would probably do really great you know and considering like in today's world being uh, i'm 35 you're about 27
1: 28.
0: 27 yeah. 27 right like you're still a young buck yeah. but like even 27 is super young still in today's World, yeah. right so like if we went back to school now it'd be a game changer for us like we'd probably be doctors 100
1: <laughs> percent. maybe not doctors but yeah like i mean the only thing that's stopping me from doing it now is like i kind of look at every decision that i make as, a, as an investment as a mm-hmm. business decision and it's like how much more am i going to get out of a degree that is that, is it going to pay me back on that investment you know
0: yeah like <laughs> Unless your goal is to do research right, and get a master's and do P- and do a PhD in exercise science and come out with journals. I mean, that's not the route that you no, want to take then what's the point not. of going through a master's program, right? Like, exactly. And that was one of the reasons why when I um, decided to just take fitness as a career, what, once I graduated university, was like, do I spend two years as a, a, in a master's program and then come out of it without a job? Or do I just put my eggs in one basket and go you know kind of like head first with my fitness and yeah. it's, it's brought me here right and it's i feel like we have similar sort of paths right in, mm-hmm. in that in that regard so talk to me about what you plan on doing when you get home
1: yeah so so when i get home um I, i've actually not spoken about this in a public forum yet so Uh-oh. so i'm gonna announce the company right here Hell So yeah. Uh, when I get home, I'm going to be launching a company called barbells lifting club. Nice. So we're going to be a online fitness coaching and media company uh, That really focuses our attention on on barbell training specifically um, So these days I most I work mostly with a lot of ex-athletes or, or slightly more advanced lifters mm-hmm. um, Compared to I used to work with a lot more beginners. So uh, there's been a change in kind of my client base and so Building a brand around those kind of people because I found that those people are really what drive me Um, I I enjoy programming for people like that. Um, I get kind of the best uh, What's the word I'm looking for the best engagement Mm -hmm. from those kind of people they really get invested in their training and so That's what has really driven this this new brand Um, because back in in the summer so i've been training for seven years now right. and then training myself personally for nine um and back in the summer i kind of found that i was i was struggling a little bit uh mental health was kind of down and, and i wasn't as passionate about what i was doing and i actually almost quit i started looking at, at different industries i started looking at the stock market nice. and like and invested heavily in education there i th- I, I read like know six or seven books on it and then got the practice account and realized very quickly that it's it's really easy to read about it's not so easy to put into practice and so I was like okay this is gonna take me another seven eight years to get good at this so maybe I need to just look at what I'm doing with my own business right and the conclusion that I came to was I wasn't working with the right people Um, I my online side of the business it came out of the pandemic. So when the pandemic hit, it was I was 100% on uh, in person training and it was like all of a sudden it was like shit, I've got no clients. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. and so quickly transitioned sort of within a week into the online space and you know, I had nothing else to do and so I became, you know, completely dogmatic about growing this business and i was going to grow it in in any way that i could and i was going to take any person that would come my way in a similar way to like when i started in pt a a good life it was like you took anyone that came because it was like i needed money i needed to pay my bills Mm -hmm. and um i needed to to build a business out of nothing essentially so it was like i'm going to work with absolutely anyone Mm -hmm. and i'm going to drag you to progress like i don't care how invested you are i'm gonna drag you to progress and the problem with that was and you know the beauty of online business is that scalability right i can start to reach more and more people but the more people that you get the the harder it becomes to to continue to drag people through Mm -hmm right and so like the way that i was running my business was completely unsustainable for myself as a person because i was putting a ton of energy into these people and i wasn't getting it back and that is just like i'm sure you know is is just Man, so draining
0: I, I resonate with that so much because you know i think because you started out as a brick and mortar personal trainer right. at, at a good life correct yeah yes so you know so like when you're working in that commercial space as a in person trainer you, you pretty much take on anyone who is willing to pay you to, mm-hmm. to train them because like you need money, right? Like, yeah. you, you can't pick and choose, especially that early on. And even for myself, like, like that resonates with, with me so much because when I started early on, even when I opened up my studio, my, my first studio back in 2012, it's like, I'm going to take on everyone. And one thing that really resonated resonated with me right now with what you just said was that you want to work with a specific demographic mm-hmm. of people right. and and, and when you transition from in-person to online, you almost have to be selective with who you work with online because there is a, um, a learning curve with fitness. And you, right. it's very difficult to take a beginner um, client who has never done any much training or nutrition or whatever that they do in fitness and bring them online because they're missing a lot of context.
1: Exactly. And it can be done because I was doing it with, with a like a degree of success. It was just like it wasn't the type of training that was fulfilling my passions I like I personally am a powerlifter and I enjoyed educating myself on that side of things you know I enjoy learning about you know biomechanics with the prescript guys I enjoy um, a lot of like what juggernaut are doing and Mm -hmm. people like that And, and then it's like I wasn't being able to then apply the knowledge that I was learning with the clients that I was working with and so you know you're writing these programs and it's like they're very basic i wasn't utilizing all of this information that i was was taking in and and then again you weren't getting that effort back and it's like i have clients right now who are you would consider more general pop you know they're not training with barbells and stuff like that but the ones that have stuck around were the ones that were giving me the energy back Mm. and and that ultimately was was the most important thing for me so once i'd kind of established that you know i'm not going to become a stock trader and i'm going to change my direction it was like okay i looked at my my list of clients and i, I circled my five favorites and i did what you did i listened yep. to your f- first episode there so i went and i interviewed them and found out why it was they wanted to work with me and, and what kind of stuff uh appealed to them um and then i've gradually been changing the way that I talk online and and eventually this brand will will really embody that message. Mm-hmm.
0: So that's such a really cool thing. Now now was there any part of you that felt guilty for saying I want to work with a specific demographic? Like like did, did you almost feel like I guess some some context to this like a lot of trainers start in the industry like you and I did where like we want to help as many people and impact a lot of people mm-hmm. right and so you know when you first start as a trainer you take on anyone general general population you take on every client that you possibly can so you can yeah. get your feet wet you 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 sort of build your clientele and a lot of trainers have a hard time letting go of saying i want to work with a specific demographic right. that's fulfilling did you ever feel like a, a bit of maybe guilt's not the right word but like did you ever feel like you almost like were like a sellout
1: No, definitely not guilt because, you know, I was on the verge of quitting. And so think about how many people that I wouldn't have been able to help if I'd quit. I would have completely stopped. And so, you know, now I'm on a path where it's like I want to do things like this. I want to get on podcasts. I want to write articles. I want to reach more people. And so by making sure that I'm working with the right people, it's going to keep that fire lit. Yeah. Right, so there, there was no level of guilt there, and, and at the same time, it's like there are people out there that have that same passion for working with beginners. Mm-hmm. They're out there, and so it's like, okay, you know what? like I'm not the right fit for you, but here's a list of people that that will be able to help you better, mm-hmm. and so it's like you know it's it's unselfish in a sense. It's like I can help a bunch of people and still get what I need as well.
0: Yeah, and I think that's important as a coach because you know, like we we pour so much into our clients, and 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 like when you said you drag people to progress, dude, that's that's literally what you have to do when you're taking on beginners, um, who who have these extreme goals of let's say it's fat loss or they want to tone up or mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. It's that like they don't realize the undertaking that that's going to happen when right. when they have to start training, right? And and when you're dragging them. You're putting so much effort and energy and, and and of your emotion into it that you almost like at the at the end of the week you're 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 burnt out and drained. Right, and if you continue that for years and years and years, yeah, you're gonna burn out. And that's one thing that kind of happened to me is that like I was, I was it was almost like fitting a square peg in a round hole. I had this business that was. Um, kind of focus on one specific demographic and I feel like I couldn't get out of it and, yeah. and my passion quickly dwindled and and I'm confident saying that and, and not in a in a in a bad way it's just I my, my passions were really rooted in almost like what you said for those that were hungry to learn those that wanted extra knowledge yeah. those that wanted more than just a quote-unquote status quo yeah. and and I remember when I did my when I did my survey for the rebrand um, I, I think I surveyed about 20 25 people and my, my marketing dude at the time, or still is, he, uh, he made pie charts with all the, the key data that, that we uncovered. And what was cool about the pie chart, about the characteristics of the people that, that, that I um, surveyed, half of the pie chart was their emotional state. So like they were, uh, half of it was introvert, extrovert, um, and then um, 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 self-aware. And I'm like, dude, that that's kinda like what I am. I'm a little bit extrovert, I'm a little bit introverted, I'm very self aware. Yeah. And then on the other side of it was their 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 psychological traits. So like um, you know, they were motivated, they had integrity, they wanted to learn. And I'm like, dude, like that's who I am. And I only wanna work with those that are motivated. Compatibility. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, if if I wanna help and impact the most amount of people I need to reach out to those specific people. Not to say that I can't help those that aren't motivated, it's just I have an easier time to engage with somebody who is already coming at me motivated.
1: Yeah, it makes a huge difference. And like, when I looked at my client base, I realized that once I started to change that messaging, my client base has, has evolved, as I said. A lot of ex-athletes, a lot of people that have been training for four, or five, six years even, that are looking to kind of take their training to another level. Um, and I realized that they were very similar to me. A lot of them were they used to play sports and they'd kind of lost that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, did you ever play? Ever played in football? Uh, soccer, yeah. Yeah. So I mean like I didn't play to any high level. I was, you know, severely yeah. crippled by a lack <laughs> of talent. But <laughs> um, you know, I played consistently. I played as high as I could and I was training, you know, two times a week, playing once or twice a week as well. And then when I, I went to university and, and left high school, that stopped, that all completely stopped. And what I didn't realize was through that period then when I was in university and I was partying and I was drinking a lot and I was eating shit food, I do not realize until maybe a couple of weeks ago that actually I was maybe a little bit depressed, and maybe a little mm-hmm. bit, I'd lost that sense of purpose that I'd gotten from my sport and I'd lost that Uh, the camaraderie that comes with working with a team and, 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 you know, being part of something that's greater than you. And then, so I realized that that a lot of what I do, like the strength based training, powerlifting, it kind of gives that back to people. Um, It gives them that, that sense of purpose, that sense of direction. It gives them uh, that competitive edge back and it doesn't, they don't have to, a lot of them do end up kind of saying, Hey, can I compete Um, or have been recently? And they can do that, but they can also just compete with themselves and mm. they can see those that tangible progress of, you know, three months ago I was deadlifting 135 pounds, now I'm deadlifting two hundred and twenty-five pounds. Mm. And they can see that and they can get competitive with themselves. So yeah, like like you said, there's like that compatibility that you need to have with your coach. And ultimately, if that compatibility isn't there, it hurts the client as well. Right. If if it's not if it doesn't get the trainer fired up, it is ultimately gonna hurt the client. And you can't drag people through. It doesn't help them. No. Um and that was another thing that kind of came out of, of going through that rebrand is is really looking at how I talk to the clients, especially on that first call, and setting those expectations and being like, Okay, this is not this is not a relationship where I'm going to give you all of the answers. This is not a relationship where i'm just gonna tell you what to do you have to guide this you have to come to me with solutions to your issues and you have to take ownership of this i'm not gonna message you constantly being like what are you doing today what did you eat did you hit your protein it's like you this is for you You know, I'm here to support you. And if you have questions, message me whenever you want. If there's things that you need help with, message me whenever you want. But you have to take that ownership. You have to be the one to do the check-ins. You have to be the one to make sure that you're uploading videos so that your technique gets reviewed. You have to be the one to do this because ultimately, like, there's going to be a day when I'm not there. Mm and if you're not prepared for that day then then what is the point what are we doing here? what was the point
0: of investing all that time and energy and money on their part to not get anything out of that
1: yeah you have to build the skills to be able to do this without me
0: yeah you know and that's where like it's it's while you're the expert in the training and physiology and all that stuff they're the expert in themselves they have to be the expert of their own body because they're the only ones that 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 know what's what's happening exactly um and and i think so many people will hire a trainer just because they feel like hey just tell me what to do and i'll do it but you know very well that that doesn't always work it may work for the first four weeks when they're motivated but then once that motivation dwindles and they have to create those habits if they're not building those habits from day one it's a very very um slow start or, or or a slow progress
1: and especially in the online space right there there are people that i've worked with for Years now, and I've never seen them in person. I've never met them in person, and so I like when i when you're training a, a PT client in the gym, and and, and you they, they walk in and their shoulders are slumped and they've got bags under their eyes, like you know right away. I'm like, okay, like we're gonna be cutting that volume a little bit today. We're gonna set our expectations for this workout, but I'm not see- seeing that from the online client. So there has to be a, a, a level of communication and collaboration with with. Between the trainer and the client to say, this is what's going on with me today, and and like again, that's just set expectations right yeah. from the start of like communicate. That's where the coaching is going to happen with this. You, I'm not seeing you in the gym three times a week, so the only way that you get coached is if you talk to me. And like I'm all about like talk to me every single day, like pester me that this is what this is my job, this is what I do. Um, I would much rather that than the client that doesn't message me for three weeks.
0: Yeah, I I I actually had to laugh at that because I just had a client the other day who was, who was one of my online remote clients, and and she goes to me, she goes, I don't want to bother you. I'm like, no no no. I go, you're paying me <laughs> to exactly. bother me. Like like I want to be bothered, right? Yeah. Um, and even like. with with some of my local uh people here for my rebel series um like they get to book weekly calls with me and and Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna chase them like they're they're, they're all grown adults Mm -hmm. but what i found is those that take ownership of that and book weekly calls with me and, and even for those that like don't even have anything to talk about that week just showing up i've seen i've seen them progress a lot more rapidly than those that don't take advantage of that yeah right and i think You have to find the right people that are ready to take on that type of ownership yeah and I think what's gonna be cool about your your new sort of journey into your brand is that the way you're gonna speak online the way your brand image is gonna be portrayed I think that's gonna raise the standard of your community and then those that follow you're gonna be like man like they're doing something different I think I think I need that it it might help motivate the unmotivated over time yeah, as sure. they start to that's see cool. you raise the standard, and I mean, I think that's what we need in this industry is we need coaches to raise the standard even more, more so that, than it already is because it's going to pick up any loose remnants or, lo- or, or those that aren't motivated. And they're like, wow, like, these people are stepping it up. Maybe that's what I need in my life. Or maybe it'll, it'll give some, some inspiration. And maybe somebody will resonate with you more than me or vice versa. Yeah. And, but as long as we can all ra- raise the standard together, yeah. we're gonna have our audience to speak up. Right? And that's why I, want, I wanna bring on a lot of coaches like you because like, you're not my competitor. Like, mm-hmm. we're both on the online space, but like, it was like when Italy played England. Like, we're not competitors. We, 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 we okay. well, I, I had to bring that in. I had to bring come that on, in. Oh, man. No, you know <laughs> what I mean? But like, like, how many people do we know from the prescript community that are all online coaches? Right. And not once do we ever consider ourselves competitors. No, and
1: that's, but I think that's very unique to the prescript culture. And that's something that, you know, Jordan has worked hard to cultivate. Um, and you know it's funny I was actually talking to another prescript coach yesterday about about you and about your brand and stuff and I was saying it's been really interesting watching him watching you build your brand and you're doing all the same things that I want to do Except you're doing it on the total opposite end of the spectrum Mm -hmm. in terms of the way that you're talking to people and the way that you're messaging and the beauty is is we can coexist Mm -hmm. and there are going to be people that will like the way that you talk and there are going to be people that like the way that I talk like like your branding and your messaging is uh, life's most meaningful pursuits right and you're selling something that that isn't there. it's you're selling that intangible Right. right and for me like that personally like doesn't appeal to myself Mm -hmm. and so my branding represents that in a sense of like we're gonna sell the tangible Mm -hmm. we're gonna sell you're gonna get better at lifting this barbell your technique will improve we're gonna try and almost just the opposite end of the spectrum Mm -hmm. just like completely like no bullshit. this is what we're selling this is what you're gonna do this is how you're gonna get better and it's like both of those different messaging can lead someone to results. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And it's just. Um, about what appeals to that person, and that's why trainers need to get. They need to understand their branding, and they need to understand who it is they're trying to speak to. Because there are so many people out there that, whatever niche you you decide, or, and whatever way you want to talk to someone, there's going to be enough people out there that will respond to that. And then it's just a matter of actually putting your face in front of a camera and and doing it and, mm-hmm. and getting out there.
0: And I think like, I think it's so important that you figure out what your message is and and who did you want to speak to because right especially on the online space you can't you can't go into the online space and make it successful if you're going to regurgitate the exact same thing as everybody else which is the typical um marketing type of of jargon which is you know burn fat build muscle six weeks six weeks right like you can't like you can't expect to grow your community your brand if you have goals of making it very successful you can't you 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 just can't grow it in that fashion i don't think right unless unless you want to sell out and really like be a a charlatan and and go hard with 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 that but like I, i think i think when you can resonate with your own message and your own brand it's so much easier to convey that over a camera over a microphone because it's not forced yeah. You know how many times like early on I was trying to figure my own shit out and I was forcing myself on camera and then looking back now I want to cringe because it just didn't like, I was like, did I just fucking say that, right? Yeah. So like it's kind of cringe but you all, you also kind of learn and grow from that.
1: Yeah, being on camera, it's, it takes practice. It's, a, it's an uncomfortable experience at first but the, the more reps you get, the easier it gets and, and then you can start to allow your personality to, to really come through and, and shine.
0: Hell yeah, dude. Um, so talk to me about like, so I'm, I'm going to backtrack here because mm-hmm. we, we kind of skipped over the the early beginnings of, of Sam because we, yeah. we, we talked about your, your, your new rebrand. Yeah. Um, talk to me about what got you into fitness in, in, the, in the university kind of days. What pulled you in? <laughs> and, and, and is honest. your is your tra- is your training a little bit more different than it was if i'm now? being
1: if i'm being fully transparent the, the the early motivator to get into training was girls hell yeah <laughs> i, I mean, that, that's like every guy yeah. Yeah. yeah to be honest and like um you know i was 19 um and i, I was in in my first second year of university and, and not really didn't have a path so a lot of partying five times a week um doing things that weren't going to be good for me long term and eventually it came a point where it was i had a conversation with myself of like dude like you've got to figure this out because this isn't the this isn't the way that i wanted to live my life um and then i was living with my my best friend at the time and, and both of us were kind of on a similar page we'd been doing that for a while and it was like we needed to make a change and it was like okay um fitness let's start with our bodies and, and work out from there and we we went to the gym every day for three months in a row because we didn't want to miss a day because nice. we, we were scared that we would lose your gains we would well, not lose our gains but we would fall off track and not go back sure gotcha that was like our our, our thing was like go every single day and i personally i'm not recommending that um but it, it got us into it and you know it was terrible the stuff that we were doing we picked uh, a program off of bodybuilding.com com. Mm-hmm. Arnold's, arnold's mass builder or whatever it yeah. was and
0: it was like like five lifts of the same muscle group five oh, sets of. it was 12. like
1: our, our logic was go straight to the most advanced program we course. could because if it's more advanced it's going to get us better results of course yeah like obviously it was logical. like yeah it was it was an absurd program but it it kick-started something and it was it was then since then I, I don't think i've missed longer than a week of training
0: yeah that's solid man i think and i think what's important for the listeners and viewers that are that are listening and watching this is that like just start mm-hmm. even if it's not the best or perfect program just start get your feet wet um and even if you hire a trainer if that trainer is not at the at the capabilities as you want them to be just start yeah. with someone like get get some knowledge get a baseline and then from there you sort of you'll know like where you vibe like do you want to do more powerlifting? powerlifting, you want to do more of bodybuilding do you want to do more of just sort of yeah. functional stuff like yeah and like get, just get your feet wet
1: i exactly and, and and stay in the game yeah right and like that's ultimately what it comes down to is how long can you stay in this game and and getting out of the mindset of i'm i want to be like this in six weeks or i want to be like this in three months like Throw weeks and months out of your time frame and start thinking years and decades of course because at the end of the day like your physical health is is going to be something that you need to maintain a level a quality of life and maintain brain health throughout the rest of your life so why are you thinking in, in such like short term uh short term like gains it's just not gonna happen
0: and like that might work if you're 19 looking to chase girls right back then but then what should keep you in the game longer than you know a couple months or even a couple years is the fact that like you see noticeable changes in you physically but also mentally more than ever that keep you sort of addicted um in a healthy way towards pursuit of 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 just good general health right yeah um and then if you can excel in fitness even more than even better right like if you can compete or whatever that's that's a bonus um so you worked out for you know three months with your buddy what um so so what what sort of attracted you to the personal training aspect of of fitness
1: yeah so by that point i'd been training for a couple of years um and realistically it was the only thing that i was passionate about outside of football Mm -hmm. um and it was just, it was the, the logical thing to try and get into. This is something that I enjoyed doing. I liked the prospect of spending my day in a gym rather than uh, in an office. Uh, I liked the idea that potentially it could be a business for me one day and I could have complete control over my schedule and all, all the freedoms that would come with that. And so it just seemed like the logical step. Mm. And so um, I started out actually, funnily enough, I got fired from my first PT job. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I started out at a small little company. Uh, I won't I won't say their name because sure. um, I'm gonna blast what they did, and and they basically <laughs> they kind of trained all of their clients in this one specific way. Sure. Uh, regardless of whether your goal was to get fit or to uh, like to lose body fat or gain muscle everyone was going into this one specific system and you weren't allowed to train for aesthetic goals you had to have some kind of like they called it a destination mm. that you were reaching towards like a, a hike or something like that and that's fine if you, if you enjoy that but it wasn't it wasn't for me and I didn't buy into what they were doing and so that obviously reflected in in my performance a little bit so i think i only lasted like three months there it's probably longer than i would have lasted (laughs) yeah and at the time right i was still i was still 20 years old right so i was still partying on the weekends and and not doing like what i should have been doing Mm -hmm. um but then from there moved to a good life fitness and that was much more my speed it was i was i had a really good manager who kind of put a lot of trust in me um and i was allowed to run my business in the way that i wanted to run it um from very early on mm-hmm. um i got really lucky in that i i i'm able to connect with people quite well and so selling was not an issue for me which for a lot of new trainers coming in can be a real hurdle and, mm-hmm. and i was able to get over that hurdle pretty quickly um and so because i was selling my manager was just kind of like do your thing right uh, which is what i needed i needed that autonomy that was one of the reasons that i wasn't happy in school was i wasn't getting that autonomy i wasn't guiding my own path essentially so was that good life for uh, a year and a half two years uh probably should have been there a little bit longer looking back i think another year would have benefited me a little bit more how come why did i leave Or, or, or why do you think an extra year would have been better i think i would have liked to get a little bit more experience um maybe moving up in the company a little bit, maybe sure. as a fitness manager or assistant fitness manager or something like that to work with some, to work with other coaches as well. Um, but you, you, when you're at good life, at a certain point you start doing the math and you start figuring out that, Hey, I could, I could run my own business and have half the people mm-hmm. and make the same money. Or I could have the same amount of people and make double the money. Mm-hmm. And it was, at the time, it was, I was, you know, most good life coaches will, uh, will relate to this. I was doing the split shift. I was working 6 a.m. through to about 10 a.m., go home, sleep, come back. That's that's the four, coach's life. Four to four to eight, four to nine sometimes. And that's, you know, it's a hard, hard old slog. Mm-hmm. And so when you start doing the math and it's like, okay, I can make half the money and cut my client base in half mm-hmm. or make the same money. Right. And it's like, that's what I did, yeah. and so from that point on, I kind of moved to uh, like a private gym and run my own business since then.
0: Yeah, so the the, the private gym that you go to is Six One Three Lift in Ottawa, correct? Yeah, I mean I've
1: done that's I've been to uh, four or five gyms. Oh, okay. So like that was all in Victoria, uh, and then gotcha. so I just moved to uh, that's right. Ottawa. Uh, a couple of years ago, so now I'm at six one three lift.
0: That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Um, and, and how's that been going? Because obviously, like you've gone into like powerlifting quite quite heavily, and I and see mm-hmm. your your social media posts. You're fucking getting yoked and strong. Thank you. We're trying. We're trying. How how's that going now? From like, you know, from where you were, you know, like oh, eight, I, eight years I, ago to now.
1: Um, a six one three lift is the best gym that I've ever worked at. Sweet, hands down. Like moving to Ottawa was a great decision just for that alone, purely because of the community that they have there, the people that they have there. There's a a high level of lifter there. Like, you just said I got yoked and strong, but I am, you know, average. Yeah. in that gym and to me that's exciting and one of the reasons that I, I left victoria was i felt like there wasn't too many people around me that were pushing me further like i don't want to be the strongest person in the gym I, there, there needs to be people around me that are, are doing better than me mm-hmm. so that because they're going to drag me up right like a rising tide raises all ships mm-hmm. and so there are so many people stuart Locke, nick Donado, Paul need there are so many people there that I've been able to learn from and, you know, these are top level lifters, uh, not just in Canada, but across the world. So, um, it's been an absolute blessing moving to 613. Um, it's been really good. Why
0: do you think powerlifting resonates with you so much from a, from a mental standpoint? Like what, what really makes you say, fuck, this is, this is what like I need to do.
1: Um, so, I mean, like throughout my training career, I've, I've tried a lot of different modalities. So, like when when I first got into training, it was bodybuilding, right? I was trying yeah. to get I was trying to get Jack for the yeah. ladies, um, and then right about the time where I moved from Good Life into the private gym space, that was when the first CrossFit Games documentary dropped on Netflix, and I, and I was drawn to that competitive aspect. Yeah. Like I was when I was watching people, like the when they're doing their like snatch ladders in the in the tennis stadium. I'm like, that is that is sick those guys are absolute freaks and they 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 still are um and so i was drawn to that and then the gym that i moved to was also a crossfit gym um so i did crossfit for about about a year um too much cardio didn't didn't enjoy like the kind of like the physique that it was it was building for myself and then also At that point, I started getting into the Olympic lifting side of things, and I hired an Olympic lifting coach. And when I hired the Olympic lifting coach, it became very apparent to me that I cannot learn this skill and put it into a high-intensity workout. Right. Like, it was just absurd. Do you
0: you think people get into CrossFit thinking they're going to get a physique that perhaps – more of a bodybuilding powerlifting program would give them? Like, do you think, do you think- I
1: think they look at the physiques of the CrossFit Games athletes and think that that is what can be achieved, right? And that's, I know that's what I did. Um, And the reality is those CrossFit Games athletes are genetic freaks. If if they turn their mind to powerlifting or if they turn their mind to Olympic lifting or any other sport, they're going to be the top of that sport.
0: And a lot of the top CrossFit athletes, like Matt Fraser, was a, a weightlifting champion right right so like they
1: most of them have come from other sports right. right they're already athletic specimens right they're already freaks so it's not the modality that has made them look like that and then you add in the fact that they are dedicated to this 100 percent of their life is dedicated to this the same thing with like the professional bodybuilders and the professional powerlifters that's all these guys do mm-hmm. is they they wake up at 9 a.m 10 a.m and they make sure that they're getting their 2000 calories in before they go to the gym mm-hmm. and then they train and then they come home, they sleep, they eat, and then they probably train again. Uh, like that's all that they do. And so they put 100% of their time outside of the gym into being better inside of the gym mm-hmm. and the average person simply cannot do that. Mm-hmm. They can't commit to that. They've got families, they've got jobs that they need to do. They've got responsibilities and and they're not their recovery um, the recovery practices are not going to be as good as what these crossfit these professional athletes Well, because are.
0: most competitive athletes probably take their recovery a lot more seriously than their training in the sense yeah. of like hey if they want to train super hard in the gym they're going to have to recover even harder and and, and make sure that their whole life revolves around they have a their team. recovery they have a team Whereas, like most general population clients to this day like still don't understand that like even just getting eight hours of sleep is a very very important tool for them to get their results. Like and yeah. people are so drawn to this like hustle culture of oh, I'll sleep later. I'm gonna you know I have to work no. till like nine p.m. and then I'll I'll watch Netflix till midnight and then yeah. go to bed and then get a you know a shit sleep. Um, so going back to like powerlifting, so we kind of oh, yeah. did a little tangent there. Yeah.
1: So I was I I went into CrossFit and then didn't like that. Well, I did like it, but I didn't like what I was getting from right. it and then I was doing the Olympic lifting realized that I couldn't do that and the CrossFit at the same time like just didn't make sense to me from a training perspective sure. or risk management perspective and so I went all in on the Olympic lifting for a little bit um, and you know didn't I just didn't mesh with anything and then I moved to six one three, resisted the powerlifting for like like a year. Because and the reason that I it took me so long to get to powerlifting was because I had this preconceived notion in my head that all powerlifters are fat. <laughs> <laughs> and because,
0: but that's what you saw in like like five years ago and, right. and, and like whereas now like you you're seeing a lot more non fat yeah And it but, was
1: actually it was Stuart Locke that i kind of opened my eyes to it because i looked at him and i was like well he's not fat the guy's fucking he's diced and i was like okay now powerlifting is a little bit more appealing to me and i'd always incorporated barbells into my training i'd always enjoyed getting stronger at my squat my bench and my deadlift like when i got into uh when i before i even started powerlifting like you know i wasn't pushing crazy numbers my squat was like 435 my bench was 335 my deadlift was like 485 and that's respectable yeah it's decent um and that was with very poor lifting yeah. mechanics yeah. and uh and so like i'd always enjoyed the barbell aspect of it and then just being surrounded by so many power lifters, eventually you're getting drawn in mm-hmm. like it's gonna happen you want to lift like these guys you, know, you want to be like super super strong and it, it's fun it's it's i I get everything that I need in terms of like the competitive side of things that I was missing from you know my football days, mm-hmm. and I and I'm still able to incorporate a decent amount of bodybuilding training that I, I get that aesthetic. Yeah, look of as course,
0: well. and I think again, I think powerlifting has evolved, and if you even look at like the strongman competitions, like they they just had the Rogue Invitational strongman competition a couple of weeks ago, and even these strongmen. Aren't as fat as they used to be in the '90s. I remember watching, right. like in the '90s on ESPN, they, they'd be the, these like fat, huge guys. Yeah. Whereas now it's like they have a lot more muscle. They're you a little know, bit like leaner soul. than yeah, floors a little bit more lean. Yeah, but like they're crazy strong. So I think I think just the whole science of powerlifting slash bodybuilding has evolved. It's evolving, for and like sure. powerlifters now know that hey, it's not just West Side that does good powerlifting. There's, yeah. there's other, there's juggernauts. There's, there's many other brands out there that do it just as well as Mm -hmm. the old school lifters, and i think they're meshing the old school with the new school and then they're 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 kind of rebuilding it into this like new phase of 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 training
1: and i think social media has helped with that significantly in terms of like it's now not just the heavyweight like weight classes that get the exposure Mm -hmm. um people are are paying more attention to to the lighter weight classes and so you can still get recognition for being a good lifter in a, in a lighter weight class right
0: it's funny how like you say that that barbells always kind of like you always go towards a barbell and every time i look back in my whole like even, even like my own training history and, and, I, and i've been training since university myself so it's, we're going on like 15 plus years now and while I dabbled in, like, what you would consider functional fitness back in the early 2000s, because that, that's what was going. And, like, I always found myself going back to a barbell. Powerlifting to me has always been that, like, even though, like, I'm shit at it, it's, <laughs> it's always it's always drawn me to it for some reason. Yeah. And it's probably because, like, I've always appreciated those that did it um, on, a, on a competitive level. But no matter if I went into like you know CrossFit type style training or functional fitness, it always revolved around barbell still. Yeah. So that was really cool that that kind of and, and to this day like now it's like I'm even more motivated you know knowing guys like you and, and guys like Stu like it, I'm, now I'm like fuck man like I want to see what my potential is because I never really realized what my potential was yeah. in powerlifting until like probably last year. Yeah. Of, of wanted to get into that so so yeah like I, I think it's it's such a cool.
1: I think for me, like I like the the skill aspect to yeah. it, and that that never really goes away. You know, you look at like these top level lifters, like I'm watching, like you know Nicholas Donato training. Yeah. They're they're both competing today, actually, Nick and yeah, Stewart yeah. against each other. Shout out! Um, and he's reviewing every single set that he does on on video, and this is a guy that has been doing this for I don't know eight, ten years, something like yeah. that and the stronger you get your the way that you move has to adapt to that and change with that and your your body's going to change as you, as you grow and i like that there's it's almost like a never ending path for improvement mm-hmm. um, and this the, the scope to improve with your with as your technique gets better is just like it's exponential like the the numbers that i've been putting on the bar over the last year from from fine tuning my technique alone has it, been staggering
0: and like the 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 closer you get towards your potential the more perfect you have to be with your technique right Mm -hmm. now reviewing technique is huge and you do it with your online clients i do with my online clients talk because like so like it's funny because like sometimes i'll I'll talk to clients even here at common and they sort of either make fun of me for always having my phone out or having a camera out and i'm filming i'm filming myself yes i use it for social media i'll post it because it's part of the brand Mm -hmm. but I have hours of footage on my phone of just me doing the exact same squat or the bench press or whatever. Mm -hmm. How important is it for those listening and watching that go to like a good life or a commercial gym? Like how important is it? Hey, like fuck everybody else that's gonna make fun of you for taking your phone out. Why is it important to video yourself and critique
1: and learn from your previous sets that you've done? Because you increase that scope, you increase that glass ceiling becomes elevated. Right? Like if your body doesn't move effectively, there's always going to be a limiter on how much you can progress. It's it's basic physics. Like mm-hmm. if you're if you're lifting and that bar path is, let's say you're doing a squat and that bar path is is not directly over the midfoot, you're never gonna be able to move as much weight as you can because the, the body will sense that instability, right? And it it's it's gonna limit your output as much as you can. And it also like if you can film yourself consistently and you become really diligent with that, it's gonna create a degree of autonomy with, with your with your training. So this, there's a direct correlation between my clients that post videos every single day and to how well they progress versus clients that don't and how well or how little they progress. Because the more that these clients upload videos, the more that they watch themselves move and then the more that they hear that feedback from me, they start to learn what I'm gonna say. Like I had a client send me that uh, one rep max deadlift uh, a couple of days ago, and she literally put underneath pack the chin because she didn't pack a chin. And so n- now the next set that she goes into, if, let's say she's reviewed that tape within her workout in between sets, now she can go and actually implement that. Mm. And she can improve her set during the workout and that for me is like then you're really on to something well that
0: expedites the results because instead of having to wait a week to talk to you about it yeah or however long she waits to talk to you she can do it right there on the spot without having to say hey sam i need some help it's like she helped herself right then and there and got better exactly
1: and and so you almost become your own coach And, and that's always been like the the slight downside to to working on online is that it's not that immediate feedback we're not in a gym i can't watch a set and be like hey try this try this and then um, and then you go and implement it straight away, there's always going to be that little delay. And I make the, the technique review like a high priority on my list. So I'll typically get back to people within 24 hours mm-hmm. on their videos. Um, and then so we use an application called Coach now, mm-hmm. uh which allows me to kind of annotate on the videos, right. give voiceover feedback. Um, it's, it's pretty useful. And, and the client will then upload their next video in the same thread. And so we have like a timeline of their progress. And so what they should be doing every set is they should be reviewing my video from last week. And they should be like, okay, I've got to go and try and implement this. But what I try to do is is give them certain things to look for as well, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and start to explain the process of, of how I review the videos. Mm-hmm. So we'll use the squat as an example. When I'm reviewing the squat, the first thing I look at is the feet what are the feet doing it's going to tell me a lot as to what's going on is is their foot turning out as they're they're going through their set okay if their foot's turning out as they're going through their set either they're they're biasing that external rotation or maybe we can just change their setup a little bit and just start there because what i don't want is i don't want the reps to be different every single rep within a set um so we can talk about that like hey what's your feet what are your feet doing are you losing your big toe um and, and give them a set of, of principles to start to look for and, and allow them to, to be able to, to have that effect on their own training. When you're watching the squat video from the side, what are we looking for there? What is that bar path? Is it staying over the midfoot? Are you coming too far forwards? Are you sitting too far back on your heels? And, and that starts to create that autonomy for people.
0: It's cool. Uh, w- one good example of that is I posted my uh, front squat uh, mm-hmm. a couple days ago and and you messaged me saying hey like make sure that you keep your knees forward when you come up because I shoot my hips back yeah. and that was one thing that like it's funny how like all my knowledge that I have I've been doing this for years sometimes it takes something as simple as you saying hey dude watch your knees on the way back up keep them forward and you'll be keeping that upright torso and that's one thing that I think is very valuable not only as clients but also as coaches like having that support system to be like hey dude Try this and mm-hmm. see if it works. And I think that's such a, such a crucial thing to get better. Now that we have all this technology, use it. You might as well use it to your advantage.
1: Yeah, and you have to check your ego a little Hell bit yeah. to be able to do that. And, and again, that's another thing that just comes with practice, mm-hmm. right? Like, And it helps. it's helped me being around the guys at 613 because they already do those things. And it's like, fuck, like I don't know. Nick's probably going to deadlift like 700, 800 pounds today. But if he's humble enough to show other coaches his videos and try and take take advice from them and and try and develop himself then then i definitely should be because i'm not pulling anywhere near as much weight as that yeah and and, but you have to check that ego and and be willing to take that advice and, and and put yourself out there as well you know like i'll send my videos to nick or i'll show skidoo and be like hey what would you improve um I can just imagine what Stu says to you. Uh, yeah, it, Stu it was, just tells <laughs> me to add more weight.
0: <laughs> add more weight, pussy. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's funny, man. And I, and I think you know I think why people should let go of their egos too is because I think people get into fitness and that becomes their identity. And the moment you make something your identity, then your ego is attached to that. Mm-hmm. And it, like, because I remember like I you don't know a couple of years ago, if somebody would correct my squat, I would get so like maybe not offended, but almost like it would, it would stroke my ego in a bad way. And I'd be like, fuck you, you know? Yeah. But, but meanwhile, like now it's like, I, I welcome that because if i want to get better in my business, if I want to get better in my, my own training, I, I need those that can see a third person view of what I'm doing and tell me, Hey, maybe try this and, and, and see if it works for you.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's about like making sure that you have the right mindset, right? Yeah. Being willing to grow and not being closed off to advice and, you know, being humble enough that if someone is more experienced than you in a certain field, then mm-hmm. then listen and grow. and You know, a lot of that has has been developed over years of of being through Prescript and being around other people like that as well.
0: Now, for, with Prescript, are you level one and level two?
1: I'm gonna be doing level two in January. So okay. level one did the lower body intensive with you and then i did the uh, prescript barbell as well
0: nice so so when we did uh, during the intensive when we talked about like ribcage mechanics and stuff like have you dabbled in that stuff yet with like gate mechanics and and ribcage a
1: little bit a little bit i'm gonna be preparing for it dude it's
0: fucking mind-blowing and it was one of my favorite um probably one of my my favorite um seminars and and also um courses that i took what was the level two uh prescript dude like just like the rib cage mechanics, because I, I always thought like early on in, in, in my career that like you can't really affect rib cage because your rib cage is there, right? But right. like they, they they go into some pretty cool detail as, as to like how you can you know manipulate your rib cage, how you can manipulate your gait, and how certain exercises um, can help with certain parts of your gait. It's a really cool um, um, course. Yeah, I'm looking forward yeah, to I, it. I'm looking forward to it. You'll love sure. that. Um, you know what i think that's a good little wrap up please tell the audience where they can find you
1: yeah so on instagram it's at build with barber um that's gonna change when the brand launches dude dude, i'm so fucking stoked for that depending on when you're listening to this if the new brand is up uh, that's going to be barbells lifting club at barbells lifting club and then my personal one is going to be sam underscore blc dude i'm so
0: excited for the uh the barbell lift club yeah that sounds so dope. Uh, cool, I man. want, I want the first, t-shirt. I want <laughs> the first T shirt. Absolutely, of course. Uh, it's gonna be a collab for sure. Oh yeah, we're gonna make a collab T shirt. Um, cool, man. Hey, thanks for for making the drive down all the way from yeah. Ottawa. No problem. And uh, a have a have a good trip back home to to England. Thank you, thank awesome. you. I appreciate it. Uh, you can catch us on Spotify um, every other Thursday. I'm probably just gonna do every Thursday because I'm having a lot of guests that I wanna pump out as, as quickly as possible. Uh, but we're on Spotify, uh, you can find us at Rebel Radio and also on YouTube. So if you wanna watch the cast um, with video and you wanna see us talk and shoot the shit in the cool studio here, check us out on, uh, on YouTube, Rebel Radio. And uh, we're excited to bring you more and more guests. This is episode four. I've been just pumping these out super fast because uh, I'm, I'm too excited not to do these. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed this cast. Uh, Sam, again, thank you very much. I appreciate you, you, you making the drive down. Uh, and as always, much love. Keep raging. Peace.